Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Thanks for welcoming us into your home. Welcome, um, welcome to the service this morning. We have to stop meeting like this, right? Uh, this season has has us all in a position where we have to be limber, right? We have to be limber and... Um, you know, all of our set formulas don't necessarily always work, so we have to remain limber. Um, so thank you, Evan and uh, Zach and Elijah, for, for leading us in worship this morning. Didn't they do a great job? They're amazing worship leaders. You know, some churches have their A team. Some churches have their B team. We have our asymptomatic 20-somethings. So that's our another team that we have. No, they don't have COVID, by the way. Just, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> But they're all, this was our young team, that's for sure. But they're amazing. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about navigating through uncertainty. Uh, We're in an uncertain time. We're in an uncertain season. At times, we all walk through seasons of uncertainty. The question I want to ask today is, what do you do when you don't know what to do? For many of us, 2020 has been one of the most uncharted years of our lives. Undoubtedly, the most uncharted year of my life. I have a wall calendar where I, you know, earlier this year, at the beginning of the year, I got a wall calendar where I could see every month and I mapped it out and I put all my vacations in there and I made all these plans and that was the most worthless investment of, I've ever spent on anything in my life. Because everything got flipped over on its head. We're trying to get back to some normalcy here. Uh, The title of our message today is called Navigating Ambiguity. Navigating Ambiguity. What is ambiguity? It is the quality of being open to more than one interpretation, right? We don't all interpret this season the same way. Or inexactness. What do you do when you don't know what to do? All right, ambiguity. Uh, Go ahead and put up that first picture. This is the first type of ambiguity. What do you do when there's seemingly more than one correct answer, but you can only pick one correct answer? Go to the next one. This is the second type of ambiguity. What do you do when there seems to be only one correct answer and you have to pick the correct answer out of many options? What is our goal? Here's our goal, picture number three. How do we take dynamic, unpredictable situations and bring clarity to our lives? What are some some of the ambiguous, dynamic situations that we have faced this year? Obviously, COVID-19 is one of those situations. Early on, I remember... You know, we, we knew very little about the virus. Is it dangerous? Is it not dangerous? Is this an overreaction? Are we underreacting? And we found out that, you know, the way kids handle it is much different than the way older people with pre-existing conditions handle, handles it. Um, I know people, I, I personally know people who tested positive and completely asymptomatic, had no symptoms whatsoever. I know other people, um, I'm, I'm friends with people who've actually passed away from this disease. From this virus. It's been an incredibly dynamic situation. And, and what do you do? 
Uh, my daughter, uh, Evie, she just finished up two weeks of home learning. She goes to Day Spring Christian Academy. She finished up two weeks of home learning. Uh, my other daughter, Trinity, she's in the, the District 6 uh, school district. We just found out on Friday for the rest of the year, through the end of the year, she's going to be home learning. It's crazy, crazy situation. It seems to be uh, dynamic, not linear. What else have we faced this year? Uh, we face questions of injustice and racism. Not everyone's answer for those situations has been the same. Um, lots of emotions associated with uh, questions of racism and injustice. I will admit this one came out of completely out of left field for me. It's not something that I wake up and think about all the time. Um, but we had to face that. We had to walk through that. We had to wrestle through those things, right? Uh, in, addition, in addition to that, um, the state of Colorado was on fire there for uh, a couple months. We had some massive fires. I think some of the biggest in our, the history of our state. What an ominous feeling when you're, when you're at home and you're just looking out your window and there's this haze over, you know, what should be a very nice day. There's just this haze everywhere and it's, it looks like it's snowing, but it's not snowing. It's just ash descending into our yards. We're not really, really close to the mountains here in Greeley, but it's just raining ash from the mountains. What a, what a weird feeling. All of this together, um, it's just been so strange. On top of all that, we've been in the middle of a contentious election. The majority of this year, we've lived in limbo with where are we going with things uh, as far as elections go. Uh, many people still have unanswered questions regarding the elections. Some states are in the middle of recounts and litigation right now. There still doesn't seem to be full closure for everyone. So uh, what does this year look like? Well, this is a picture of what I think it looks like. Go ahead and put up that picture. If 2020 was a scented candle, this would be 2020, all right? These are some examples of what you and I have been through in 2020, but each of you encounters your own ambiguous, unpredictable, dynamic situations, and really, um, our, the rest of our lives is not unique to this. We all face things like this from time to time where we just don't know what to do. So today, I want to talk about navigating through ambiguity. I'm going to give you four keys today. The first key is, number one, find true north. Find true north. In our case, true north is the voice of God and the presence of God. For the believer, if you can find stillness and get yourself refocused on the presence of God and the voice of God, he can and he will direct your steps. How many know that when you're, if you're lost in the woods and you have a compass, you can find your way out? You know, here in, Col here in Colorado, um, uh, I, I know the mountains really well. And if you're on the, uh, you know, the east side of the mountains, we always know that, you know, uh, if you're on the east side of the mountains, there's, uh, there's the mountains. That's always north, right? And, but if you can know which way north is, you can always find your way out. Why? Because the needle of a compass always points north. So what does our true north look like? What does our father look like? James chapter 117, it says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of heavenly lights. Watch this. Who does not change like shifting shadows. He does not change. Our father is not fickle. He is steady. He is reliable. All right? That is our father. We need to find our true north and stay focused on the presence and the voice of God. Um, I don't know if you know this, but 
magnetic north, here's a little bit of science for you this morning. Uh, magnetic north and true north are not always the same thing. Uh, true north is on, on the globe as the earth spins. At the, at the top of the globe, there's a fixed point that's known as true north. It's a fixed point. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but magnetic north actually moves around a little bit um, as opposed to true north. Because magnetic, um, the magnetic field of the earth, um, we have a, uh, an iron core that rotates within molten lava and that creates this magnetic uh, field that we have. Well, that, that point of north actually moves around on our globe. We have a picture of this if you want to put that up. S- sometimes it does perfectly correspond to true north. Other times it moves around. It's always actually moving. Okay, but here's my point. God is not shifty. God is not moving around. He is a fixed point. He is steady. He is steadfast. I mean, God is on the move. He'll do different things through different times. But watch this. He's always good. He's always holy. It is always good to praise his name. I don't care what you're going through, what season it is. It is always good to praise his name. Listen, love is a person. Peace is a person, all right? So even if you can't feel true north, know that he's always good. He's always holy. He's always love. All right? Find the voice. Find his presence. That's your true north. Amen? Uh, the other day, I had a personal situation that was really bothering me. And I didn't have peace in my life. I had a situation I'm going through. Um, didn't have peace in my own life. Um, I was alone at my house, and I'm like, man, I need the peace of God. I need the presence of God. I need the voice of God. So what did I do? I closed all the, closed all the blinds, and, and I was by myself, and I just began um, pacing and praying through my home. I just took some time, prayed in, prayed in the Spirit, prayed in tongues, and just began to pace through my home. I just want to encourage you to do that, because after a while, I found my true north. I found the presence of God. I found the voice of God, and peace came in. The, Peace is a person. Love is a person. He came in, he broke in, and he released breakthrough. Amen? Okay, so point number one, find true north. Find the the voice of God, the presence of God. What is point number two? Point number two is define the problem or define the ambiguity. Oftentimes, we don't know how to handle a situation because we cannot put a clear definition on what the problem is. We can't put a label on what the problem is. Uh, let me give you an example of this. Oftentimes, if a, let's say a married couple is, is fighting a lot. And they're like, man, we're fighting a lot. We need to go to a counselor. We got to get some help because we're fighting all the time. There's not shalom in the home. So the counselor may ask, uh, what's the problem? What, what's, what's going on with you guys? And they might say, well, we've been fighting a lot. But is that really the problem? Is the problem really that they're fighting? Well, okay, um, he's a jerk, or she's a jerk, or this or that. But the counselor's job is to actually help them find out what, what is the real problem? What are they really dealing with? The fighting is actually a manifestation of something deeper that's going on below that. Okay, It can seem ambiguous. What is the real problem? The counselor will help them hone in on what the exact problem is. Is it a unmet expectations problem? Is there an intimacy problem? Is there a stress problem? Is there a communication problem? Is there a respect problem? Is there a lack of feeling connection problem? Is there someone who's not taking responsibility for something in the marriage? Is that, is that the problem? 
It may take some time, but whatever you're going through, whatever the ambiguous, dynamic, shifting uh, situation is, take some time to figure out a definition of what the exact problem is. Put a label on it. Define it. Maybe write it down. Write down, okay, here is the problem. And then you can begin to create objectives to tackle that problem. Name the knowns. Name the unknowns. Name the tensions. And I would even say this. Name the fears. Sometimes we don't even want to say the thing that we're afraid of. Sometimes just saying, okay, here's what I'm afraid of. You say it out loud. Okay, that sounded kind of silly after all. That's probably the worst case scenario, right? Oftentimes we jump automatically to the worst case scenario. But if you're afraid to address the unknowns, the tensions, the fears, you cannot learn from it and you cannot find solutions. Many times it's just identifying the ambiguity helps us to shed light on the situation. Okay, what does this require? It requires us to be honest, honest about the situation. If you're in an organization, many times um, it's hard to come up, it's hard, to, it's impossible to come up with solutions to a problem if you can't define what the problem is, all right? So that's point number two. How do you navigate through ambiguity? Number one, find true north, the presence of God, the voice of God. Number two, define the problem. Put the best definition on it you can. Point number three, Avoid presumption. Avoid presumptuous decisions. Many times when we're in a situation that we don't know how to handle, we don't have an experience in, we are looking for anything and everything to grab a hold of. And oftentimes, we take the first idea that we can think of, or the first idea that's suggested, and we implement that. Okay, That's not always a good thing. That's presumptuous, and that can be a dangerous thing. I'll give you an example from this out of Scripture. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, the prophet Samuel anoints Saul as the king of Israel. And Samuel gave Saul many special instructions in that chapter, but I want to highlight one special um, instructions that he gave him. Let's look at verse 8. This is what Samuel said to Saul. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. Okay, so they part ways. Saul goes on to win a couple of, has a couple of great wins. He, he wins a couple of major battles. He ends up in Gilgal waiting for Samuel. In the meantime, this situation begins to happen. The Philistines begin to assemble to fight Israel. Look at this, uh, uh, verse 5, 1 Samuel 13, 5. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, the soldier, and soldiers as numerous as the sand of the seashore. By the way, I read this earlier, and that was like a tongue twister. Sand of the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. When Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained in Gilgal, and the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. Okay, Saul is in this very ambiguous, undefined situation. 
He waited seven days, like the prophet told him to do. And now he has thousands upon thousands of Philistine soldiers beginning to assemble to attack them. And his men are beginning to scatter. That's a terrible situation to be in. As a leader, that's a horrible situation to be in. He's a new leader. He's an insecure leader. What do you do? What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't make presumptuous decisions on the spot. Watch this. First Samuel 13, 9, this is what he did. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Okay, was Saul supposed to offer these offerings? No, Samuel was supposed to offer these offerings. Saul is offering unlawful sacrifices. He made, uh, he made these offerings presumptuously, okay? Samuel said, wait for me, I will offer them. Watch this, verse, uh, verse 10. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done, asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, watch this, I thought, I thought, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. I thought, therefore, I felt compelled. Many times in an ambiguous situation, you feel compelled. You have a thought, and I felt compelled. Okay, listen, don't follow your compulsions in situations like that. That's presumptuous. You're going to get yourself into um, some dangerous territory. What did it cost him? What did it cost him? First Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 through 14. This is what uh, Samuel said. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him a ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. All right. This is what happened when, when Saul got into this situation. He's being surrounded. The prophet didn't come exactly when he said he was going to come. What do I do? I have to think of something up, right? He thought, and then he was compelled to make a hasty decision that cost him the kingdom from enduring in his family, all right? Don't let the ambiguity of a situation lead you to do what looks right in your own eyes at that very moment, Proverbs 14, 12 says this. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. There's no way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. This is why it's so important to slow down, especially in these ambiguous, dynamic, fluid situations. Get the word of the Lord. Get wisdom of the people around you. Find out what God wants you to do, and then execute, and then step forward. Don't be hasty in your decisions. Amen? All right. So point number one, navigating through ambiguity. Point number one, find true north. Find the voice of God. Find the presence of God. That's where he'll speak to you. Number two, define the problem. Find out exactly what the situation is. What are you dealing with? Put a label on it. Point number three, avoid presumption. Avoid presumptuous decisions. Slow down and listen. And point number four, our last point today, Maintain your composure. Maintain your composure. Don't freak out. 
I want to take a minute to, to preach this point. I'm going to play a video to preach this point. And um, this video is on how the Army trains combat divers um, to, to figure out their way through stressful, dynamic, ambiguous situations and how they can maintain their composure. So go ahead and roll that video. Amen. This is a confidence event. Uh, so if you can remain calm from the water, you'll probably be successful. To pass drown proofing, each man will bob up and down in the deep end for five minutes, float on the surface for two minutes, then swim 100 yards around the pool. After the swim, they must do a front and back flip in the deep end, grab a mask off the bottom with their teeth, then perform five more bobs. Drop the mask, break the restraints, or touch the side of the pool at any time, and you fail. Fail twice, and you recycle to the next class. The purpose of this is just to find out in the most uncomfortable situation you can imagine, your hands and feet being tied, and being in 10 feet of water, can you find a way to fight through a perfectly normal mammalian reflex, panic. Kennedy and Hedick start their five bobs. It requires the right balance of taking air in from the surface and letting it out slowly to sink. Too much air and descending is a struggle. What he's doing is he's bouncing off the bottom of the pool, coming up, getting a breath of air, exhaling his air to go back down to the bottom of the pool and he's bouncing back up so he doesn't drown. They've completed their bobs. Now they will float on the surface for two minutes, then swim more than the length of a football field with their wrists and ankles restrained. Travel. Hedick starts the 100-yard swim in front of Kennedy, but in this event, speed kills. See how fast he's going? That's gonna be challenging. When he comes back, it's gonna be difficult for him to do the bobs because see how hard he's working? His heart rate's easily over 100 now. Both Kennedy and Hedick complete the swim. They start the final phase. One front flip, one back flip. Now they must grab a mask with their teeth and complete five more bobs. But Hedick is in trouble. The mask in his mouth blocks his airway. He lets go. If he can't secure the mask and complete his bobs, he fails. oxygen depleted. His teammates step in. <laughs> Failed to maintain your strengths. The observation that I had is you're pushing off way too hard off the bottom. Okay. And you're kicking on the way up. Alright? Once you go up, you come up, get a breath. Relax. And then exhale. When you break your restraints like that, alright, 
That sounds a panic. Roger. Roger, Darcy. You understand? Roger, Darcy. All right. The other eight members of Alpha Squad struggle through the drown-proofing test and pass. All right. Maintain your composure. You ever been in a situation where you feel like you can panic, right? God wants his people to maintain their composure. I'll conclude with this. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians verses 4, verses 18 through 12, it says this. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. Church, you, you were made to navigate through uncertainty. You were made to navigate through ambiguous, dynamic, unpredictable situations. We are the church of the living God. We are made for times of adversity, all right? Christ has empowered you to walk through things like this. If you'll reach out and slow down and get the grace of God, he will walk through you with this. Let me go over my points real quick again. How do you navigate through ambiguity? Number one, find true north. Find the voice of God Find the presence of God. Number two, define the problem. Is the problem what you think it is, or is it another problem? Put a label on it, put a definition on it. Point number three, avoid presumption. Avoid making presumptuous decisions. Get the word of the Lord, and then implement the word of the Lord. And point number four, maintain your composure. God is with you. He's created us for such a time as this. I'm going to pray, and then we'll close. Jesus, we love you. We bless you, God. We thank you for your church, the bride of Christ, Lord. I thank you that we're made for this, Lord. We're made to stand up in diversity, Lord. God, help us to, um, as we go through uh, situations like what we're in or situations that we face all day long, Lord, I just pray that you would help us, Lord. And I just believe right now there's people who are watching, and today this is a lifeline to you. You're watching, and you needed this today. This is a lifeline uh, for you. I just speak grace and blessings over you, and right now in Jesus' name, we pray breakthrough for the situation that you're in. We love you guys, and uh, we'll see you hopefully here next week. Uh, stay tuned for our communications. God bless. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.